Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with the reboot of Scripture Uncovered. We left off last time with Mary and Joseph, now married, Mary pregnant, in Nazareth. Now, we pick up our story in Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. A census. Well, we take a census here in the United States every 10 years. We have to know how many people we have in order to plan social services, taxation, and run a government. So Caesar Augustus issued that a census be taken, and everyone went to his own town to register. The census would be taken at your family home. Much like today, when we vote in the upcoming presidential election, if you're going to vote at the poll, you have to go to the poll assigned to you at your home. If you're traveling, you could do an absentee ballot, but for the most part, you vote where you live. Now, Everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went up uh, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Bethlehem was his family home. So off they go. Mary is now nine months pregnant, traveling nearly a hundred miles south from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Bethlehem today is a suburb of Jerusalem. Uh, it's about five to seven miles south uh, of Jerusalem itself. So he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Well, <laughs> if you were Mary nine months pregnant, traveling nearly a hundred miles, you'd probably be ready to give birth when you got there. And indeed, she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, pause there for a moment. An inn would be a place where travelers could stay in a an enclosed courtyard uh, in the later days caravan sarais stretched all the way across uh, Asia Minor modern-day Turkey and they were one day's journey apart by horseback places for people to stay but you have to ask yourself why did Joseph go looking for an inn wasn't that his family home certainly he had relatives there I never quite understood why he was looking for an inn. Until a few years ago, when we went to Bethlehem, and we have a local guide in Bethlehem uh, that shows us the Church of the Nativity and the Shepherd's Fields and so on. And uh, Sarah was her name, and I still use her every time we go to Bethlehem. And I didn't know that she was born in Bethlehem, her family's from Bethlehem, many generations back. And she said, Joseph 
certainly had family in Bethlehem, so why did he not stay with his family? The answer is Mary. Everybody knew that Mary was pregnant by someone other than Joseph. So imagine Joseph showing up at the family home in Bethlehem, knocking on the door, and when the head of the house came to the door, he looked at Joseph, he looked at Mary, nine months pregnant, and he simply closed the door. They didn't want her there. Well, for Mary, when she said yes, it included this kind of shunning as well. And we'll see as we move through the story of Jesus that it never went away. It never went away. When Jesus, in the Gospel according to John, when he, he is in a, in a fierce debate with the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they said to him, we of fornication have not been born. So that dogged Jesus and Mary all throughout their lives. There was no room at the inn, but the manager said, you don't want to be in a courtyard with the other people, certainly, but I do have a stable out behind. It's private, it's warm, the animals are in it, warming it. You can use the stable. So that's where they went. Now, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, as angels always do, and I'll bet it was Gabriel, fear not. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. Shepherds' fields, where they watch their flocks by night. Bethlehem is on the, on the edge of a, a hill, looking down onto fields, fields of agriculture in this day. Today, it's condos. But Shepherd's fields. They can look up on the hill and see Bethlehem up on the hill. Let's go up there and have a look. So they would go to the inn. And they quickly found Mary and Joseph and Jesus. They hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The manger. A manger. Oh, remember I told you about having to learn French? Two years of French, I forget every word of it, but what's the verb to eat in French? Manger. A manger is a feeding trough. They placed hay in the feeding trough, put a cover over it, laid the baby in the manger, 
The animals looked on. There he was, away in a manger. <laughs> when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said. But Mary gathered up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Pondered. The Greek verb is symbolio. It's a turbulent verb. It's not a peaceful verb. It's a turbulent verb. She gathered up all these things and struggled with them in her heart. She's 13, 14, 15 years old, has just given birth to the Son of God, and the shepherds came to see her. The shepherds, on the socioeconomic level, are at the bottom of the heap, especially shepherds who worked all night taking care of the sheep. It was a lousy job. They were the lowest of the low. Mary struggled with all this in her heart. I bet she was thinking when the innkeeper took them out behind to the stable, she was thinking, huh, a stable? Couldn't, couldn't Joseph find a nice suite at Cedar sinai Hospital up in Beverly Hills? <laughs> but there they are. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Circumcision is given to Abraham by God way back in Genesis. Circumcision is the badge of the covenant. Circumcision is to a Jew what baptism is to a Christian. It incorporates the child into the covenant community. So, being good, devout Jews, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple and had him circumcised on the eighth day. Then, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord at the temple. So after the birth of a male child, there's a 40-day period of bonding between the mother and the child. And then that little boy is taken to the temple and presented to the Lord. And Mary would offer sacrifice. Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said of the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Well, when we read about the presentation uh, back in the Old Testament in Leviticus 12 at verse 8, the sacrifice would be a bull or a lamb or a goat. But if you couldn't afford any of that, if you were poor people, well, a pair of doves or two young pigeons would do. How do we know that Jesus grew up in a family that was relatively poor? Because of this sacrifice, the pair of doves or two young pigeons. Not the expensive sacrifices, but it's what they could afford. 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took that little boy in his arms. Simeon, an old man who was convinced, convinced that he would live to see the Messiah. And the Messiah would certainly be born to a devout Jewish family. And on the 40th day after his birth, that little boy would be brought to the temple and presented. He knew that. And for Mary and Joseph, they couldn't just show up. You have to have a priest present who will make the sacrifice, and you had to make an appointment. So I'll bet that old Simeon would go over to the temple, he would check the appointment books, and see how many children were being presented on that day. Probably not a whole lot, and not all that often. But that's what he did. And sure enough, in came Joseph and Mary with the baby. He recognized them right away. How? Well, they were wearing halos. <laughs> no, they weren't. But Simeon took the little boy in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Well, that's not a very comforting thing to tell a new mother. Oh, and by the way, a sword will pierce your heart too. This little boy is going to break your heart. Oh, I, I have trouble reading that. What could Mary be thinking? Now, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. I'll bet she and Simeon, they, Anna was the church lady, you know, the, the old lady who's always there, and Simeon was the old man who's always there. I'll bet they talked about this for years, both convinced they would see the Messiah. Anna never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Now, we need to pause there for a moment and turn back over to Matthew. Because in Matthew chapter 2, we read, that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, 
where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when we were in the east and have come to worship him. King Herod heard about this. He was really disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. When Herod called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law and asked them where this, this Christ, this anointed one, was to be born, in Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, the prophet Zechariah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. I'm sorry, that's not Zechariah, that's Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Well, Herod called the Magi, kings who had come all the way from Persia in the east to see this anointed one, this child. Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may worship him. Yeah, right. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them as until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. So Joseph and Mary stay in Bethlehem for quite some time, a year perhaps. Then they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So the Magi never go back to Herod, which made him very suspicious. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Gabriel, I'll bet. Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and Mary during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. So they leave Bethlehem. They go down to the Mediterranean coast and make their way south to Egypt. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. That's Hosea 11 at verse 1. Now, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. So Mary and Joseph stayed in Bethlehem for some period of time, and then fled. Herod, to make sure he got this child, had all the male children in Bethlehem under two years old killed, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. In Jeremiah 31, verse 15, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted. 
They escape to Egypt. Egypt has always been a safe haven for the Jews. Now, wait a minute, you say, weren't the Jews enslaved in Egypt? Well, Jacob and his 12 sons and their families go to Egypt to be with Joseph. And there they stay, 72 people in all. If Israel is to become a great nation, how are they going to do it? Any group of people emigrating into a dominant culture, and the Egyptian culture was a dazzling culture at that time of Jacob and the boys, they would assimilate into that culture within three generations. But slaves don't assimilate. It's as if God put Jacob and the boys in Egypt and built a wall around them in which they would grow into a nation. As we noted, 603,550 men, 20 to 50, leave Egypt. Women and children, older and younger, 2 million people in all. They're a nation, an incipient nation. And that happens in Egypt. The family is protected from assimilation. Now, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus take refuge in Egypt and they're safe. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. Those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. So, Having been warned in a dream, by Gabriel, no doubt, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in the town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. So Mary, Joseph, and Jesus go back, go back to, to Nazareth. And that's where Jesus grows up, in Nazareth. But every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. Remember three pilgrimage festivals, Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Every year, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus would go to Jerusalem for Passover. And he was 12 years old. That's the age of transition from a child to a man. When they traveled from Nazareth to Jerusalem, Jesus would have walked with the women. The children would be with the women. But going back after being in Jerusalem at 12 years old, his bar mitzvah, if you will, he would walk with the men. Well, when he was 12, they went up to the feast according to the custom. And after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. We travel quite a bit in Logos Bible study. We travel to Israel, to Egypt, to Jordan, Turkey, Greece, Italy, Spain, on teaching tours. 
And when my two boys, Adam and Jonathan, were growing up, I took them to each place we went at least once. And when they were little boys, I would tell them, if we ever get separated, you know, I have 50 people with me here and we're in a crowded location and I'm teaching, and if we ever get separated, stay put, sit down and wait. I'll come find you. Don't come looking for me because if we're both looking for each other. We'll never find each other. That was the rule. Stay put. And I'll bet at Passover in Jerusalem, normally a population of about 100,000 people, at Passover there'd be upwards of a million people. Crowded. And I'll bet Mary and Joseph said to Jesus, if we ever get separated, go to the southern steps of the temple platform and sit down. We'll come find you. You can't miss the temple. It's gigantic. It dominates the entire city. Go to the southern steps where we go into the temple proper, the temple courts, sit on the steps and wait. So they were going to go back to Bethlehem. They went up to the Mount of Olives and they would go down the Mount of Olives on the east side to Jericho, then make their way back to Nazareth. But they were waiting because all the people from Bethlehem would have traveled together, everybody come together and everybody walked to Jerusalem and it would have been quite the, quite the journey. So up there on the Mount of Olives, everybody's waiting for the friends and the family, the people from Bethlehem to all walk back together. The children were playing, um, Jesus kicking a soccer ball with some other boys and uh, he thought, you know, hurry up and wait. There's a question I have for that rabbi that I was talking with at the temple. I'm going to go back and see him, and then I'll catch up. Because now, after all, he is a man. So he goes back and uh, waits, and he talks with the rabbi. Meanwhile, Joseph and Mary, with the people from Bethlehem, leave the Mount of Olives, go down the backside to Jericho, a one-day journey, walking. I've walked it takes, uh, it's 17.3 miles from the Mount of Olives to Jericho. I haven't walked from Jericho up to Jerusalem, but I've walked from Jerusalem down to Jericho. It takes a day. And they would have left in the morning, early in the morning, and arrived right in time for dinner. So down, down they go. Mary thought Jesus was with Joseph, because after all, he had his bar mitzvah, if you will. And Joseph thought he was with Mary because, after all, Jesus had walked with the women coming there and he would do it going back. So they get down to Jericho, very crowded. That's the fording point on the Jordan River. That's where all the crowds were. That's where John the Baptist baptized, right at the, the intersection of the 5 and the 405, for those of you who know Southern California. That's where the traffic was. They get there. And Mary said to Joseph, where's Jesus? I don't know. I thought he was with you. No, he was with you. He wasn't with me. Oh, no. Now what? Mary has given birth to Jesus, the Son of God, God enfleshed. And now I lost him. What is the only thing they could think? When you walk that road, the old Roman road from Mount of Olives down to Jericho, 17.3 miles, on the, it's on the Wadi Kelt, a dry riverbed. It's 
a vertical drop on the left, a vertical drop of hundreds and hundreds of feet. It would be very easy to fall off. And that's what they think. Jesus was fooling around with the other boys and something happened and he fell. So they instantly, at night, head back up the road and they're looking for him. The moon rises in the east and the moon's reflecting on the north wall of the Wadi Kelt. Where the road is directly below, it's all shadow. So as Mary and Joseph are making their way up, they're calling, Jesus, hello. They think he's fallen off. It takes them three days searching that road to get up to the top of the Mount of Olives. And they haven't found him. They're both frantic. They go to the temple. Maybe someone's seen him. They traveled for that day. They couldn't find him. When his parents saw him, there he was, sitting at the southern steps, talking with the rabbis. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Why have you treated us like this? We, we have been frantic. Your father and I have been looking everywhere for you. We thought you were dead. And he said, as only a 12-year-old boy could, why were you looking for him? We didn't know I had to, didn't you know I had to be here? This is where you told me to come. My father's house. God the Father. You told me to come and sit here. No. Mary said, I do not understand you. And then he went to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Luke 2, verse 52. Luke 3, verse 1, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Jesus is about 30 years old. So what happens between chapters 2 and 3 after being found at the temple? He went back and was obedient to them, I'll bet. And why do we never hear anything? The lost years of Jesus here between chapters 2 and 3. I know why. Because he had been grounded by Mary for that stunt that he played in Jerusalem. Well, okay, I ran us over time, but it is great being back with you. And I hope, hope you'll be with me again on Monday. Bye-bye now.